Scott Caldwell with you back once again this week talking with Howard Halderman, wrapping up our multi-week conversation here about land values and things of that. And folks, if you were listening last week, Howard mentioned the word Zillow and how that's working with land values and some comparisons there. When we talk about selling a house, realtors will talk about, okay, here's things you can do to improve the face value of the house. Here's things you can do to add value to it, whether it's an improvement or you know paint on it or whatever that is. What can a, a person do that's either going to add value to their farmland or take away that value from the farmland, whether that's short or long term, if they're looking at selling? Farmland is, <clears throat> fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, right. it's hard to change it really quickly. Right. Uh, it, it took <clears throat> centuries for God to create the soil types that exist. And so right. to change those quickly, it's very hard. You can, over 10 years, increase organic matter in a soil mm -hmm. uh, with no-till and cover crops, etc. But outside of that, it's really hard to change some of those things. But what can you change? Yeah. And, and I point this out, and in our last segment, we talked about two farms that sold on the same day in November right. of 22, but for 100% different in price. Mm -hmm. And one of the factors in that, even though they had the same kind of soils, was really reputation. And so how do you enhance your farm's reputation near term? Well, I, I would suggest that how does it appear from the roadside? So does it have falling down fences and grown up overgrown fence rows right. or along the roadway, a lot of trees and brushy shrub? That tends to create shade. It tends to create drainage problems. It tends to sap moisture from the crop. Those are all things that could be cleaned up right. in a, in a wintertime project yeah. uh, to where all of a sudden you look out across the field and gosh, that's a bare 80 acres. All one, and So eliminating fence rows and uh, cleaning up some of those overgrown areas right. uh, can really enhance value. Now, you have to be very careful because what you don't want to do is get into a wetland uh, you don't want to get into sod busting or swamp busting and some of those uh, USDA violations. Okay. So all this needs to be checked with your local farm service agency before right. you go in and do it. Um, tile drainage is another great way to enhance a farm. Now, tile drainage isn't cheap. You're going to spend 1000 maybe $1,500 an acre depending on how much of a pattern you put in and how right. closely yeah. the tile are together. But that can basically add dollar for dollar back to the value of the farm and tremendously enhance its reputation. Weed control and soil fertility. Those can be turned around fairly quickly as well. Right. Uh, I, how many times of an auction have I heard a, a landowner say, well, you know, this has a reputation as a wet farm or boy, that's a weedy uh, son of a gun or I've never seen a fertilizer truck across that farm. So those are all some reputational things right. that you can correct in a one, two-year, three-year time period. Um, so th those would be some ideas. Buildings. Okay. A lot of farms have older farmsteads on them. Mm -hmm. There may be sentimental attachment to the old chicken coop or the silo. Right. Are they being used? How do they look? Those are not conventional buildings for today's agriculture. So if there's historic nature to them, if they fit in with the farmstead and the farm home there, mm -hmm. then then leave them. But if they don't, you know, could that area be cleaned up? You eliminate insurance costs, you eliminate real estate tax costs, 
you eliminate risk and liability risk. And oh, by the way, you might pick up a couple of acres of cropland. There are some benefits to cleaning yeah. some of those up. Now, I'm out advocating tearing down barns and, and that sort of right. thing. In fact, uh, we contribute to the Indiana Historical Barn Association. So love to see those barns maintained, if maintained well, right. and, and kept on farms. But that is that would be another thing to consider. Are there extraneous buildings there that, that are past their useful life, in fact, falling down, that, that might be better served um, being removed? So it's almost like you've been in some of our family meetings. So our family farm has been in our family since 1813. So older in the state of Indiana, we have no intention of selling. We've got generational plans there. But yeah, we've had those conversations of, okay, this building, dad, really? Like, nobody will go near it because we're afraid we're going to die. <laughs> and, like the kids, don't play anywhere near that because if the wind comes up, you know, what's going to happen? So we've had those conversations. Like, okay, what do we need to do as far as the farm goes? What's the right choice? in there and in, in our case it's an emotional value that's there but for other people it's definitely a financial value and an increase that they're looking at for those things well there are some beautiful barns that have oh, yeah. been redone created into wedding venues mm -hmm. or historical uh, different uses still used for 4-h livestock um club calves you, you name it yeah. um today's production farmer is going to look at a metal-sided, big overhead doors to fit today's equipment. Yeah, Barns of yesteryear don't fit that. Exactly. Uh, no fault of theirs. Yeah, It's, it's just not this functional use. It's, it's the evolution of the equipment, and the buildings can't evolve. Right. And, and so that, that is something that uh, requires some degree of analysis, mm -hmm. and, and it, they can be costly to maintain, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. When we get back couple little random little uh, rabbit trails here to tie up with Howard on um, end of this conversation that we've had. And yes, listeners, I am going to get that traditional question, but I'm only going to ask it to him once, not at the end of every week. So we'll get to that one. <laughs> but we'll be right back after this from our sponsor. Rusty Harmeyer of Harmeyer Auction and Appraisal Company. We have partnered with the New Salem Lions Club and their 58th annual Spring Consignment Auction. Auction to be held February 24th at the Lions Club, just four miles southeast of Rushville. Contact Harmeyer Auction and Appraisal Company today to take advantage of the free advertising and plan on selling those unused items at the New Salem Lions Club auction. For more information, visit our website and online bidding platform at harmeyerauction.net. Continuing our conversation with Howard Halderman. Howard, I want to get a couple little random little things in here before we wrap up. Uh, we started the whole thing at the very beginning of this conversation talking about your company and the people that work for you and the the loyalty and the respect and all that. What are you seeing as value that young people today need to be looking at for preparing for their career, either in general or if they want to go into this type of line of work? Not necessarily specifically for you, but working in land values and auctions and appraisals and things like that. What's the preparation that needs to be done that maybe is being done or needs to be done more of? Great question, Scott. Uh, there are some of the basics that some of it's law based. Mm -hmm. uh, so we like to hire folks that have some degree of ag background. Mm -hmm. Maybe they grew up on a farm. Uh, maybe they got a degree from a, in an agricultural uh, from an ag, ag school like Purdue or mm -hmm. Ohio State or Michigan State. Uh, having that ag background can be extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. Not a requirement, but mm -hmm. very helpful. 
Uh, and th I think they understand then the, the ag industry and the type of people uh, that we work with better as yeah. a result of that. Uh, so that's kind of the, the beginning. When they come to work for us, one of the requirements, and this is what the state law says, mm -hmm. if you're going to manage property or sell property or appraise property, you have to have a broker's license in the state of Indiana. Okay. So they're going to have to get a real estate broker's license. That's, mm -hmm. that's state law. Um, if they want to do appraisals and do them at the highest level, mm -hmm. uh, and this is a like getting a master's degree, honestly, because mm -hmm. it's 360 hours wow. of education plus 3,000 hours of experience, but you become a certified general appraiser. And so that's a pretty big commitment, and we've had a couple people go through that three years. So you're, you're talking about pretty intensive appraisal work as an apprentice or a trainee uh, for that period of time. So those are some things that, that technically get you into the business. Uh, attending various trade shows, field days, Learn going to the technology days. Those kind of yep. events can help you you be educated on the latest and greatest in technology that's coming mm -hmm. out, be it seeds or pesticides or equipment. Right. Um, you have to stay up to date with all that. So th those are the more technical, the right. STEM sides, right. let's say. But I think in our business, and, and I think I have an answer already for your, your question you'll ask at the end, <laughs> But those soft skills are mm -hmm. equally important. Right. Agriculture is a people-to-people -people business. Absolutely. And relationships are everything. Mm -hmm. Whether it be from landowner to farm tenant, farm manager with tenant, farm manager with landowner. Yeah. And developing those relationships, uh, it's respect, it's honesty, it's integrity, it's communication. Um, it's the ability to problem solve. Mm -hmm. So as I think about people that we look to hire... Uh, can they communicate? Can they sell? Can they problem solve? Mm -hmm. Those are some key elements that if they can do those things really, really well, mm -hmm. I'm even less worried about their ag background. Right. Because I can teach them. They can go and learn mm -hmm. that type of information. Um, yeah, these... They can problem solve. Not knowing agriculture becomes a problem they can solve. Correct. And, and, and so mm -hmm. I think about kids going to school today uh, I'm less worried about where they went to school, but more about those those soft skills that are important for your relationship you have with your spouse, the relationship you have with your kids, the relationship you have with your employer. And I, and I say this in Purdue classes that I speak to every fall. Mm -hmm. uh, some folks say, no, I'm never going to sell. I don't need selling skills. <laughs> and I would say false. Uh, everyone is going to sell at Absolutely. some point in time. Mm -hmm. Even if you think, I'm just going to go back to the farm and farm with my dad and my grandfather, great. I'm glad you have that opportunity because it's really hard to get into ag today. Uh, but you're still going to sell. Great. Because at some point in time, you're going to sell a landowner on why they should rent the farm to you and mm -hmm. why not somebody else. So selling skills are also important. I got to say, when you say that, it kind of gives me a flashback to... At Geekon 331 with Dr. David Downey, exactly. back to the original, and I still use those skills in the classroom in convincing the students that they need to learn certain things. So we use those skills all the time. We do, and I, I point out to these college-age students many a time, said at some point in time, you're probably trying to sell somebody you might be interested in a long-term relationship <laughs> with <laughs> on why you're the right person yep. for them. <laughs> so... Yeah, that that can be important too. Yeah, I 
tell my students when we talk about in speech class, okay, you, know, you communicate when you try and convince somebody to go on a date, uh, to get married, to give you a better grade in class, to not give you a speeding ticket. We communicate and sell all the time in that exactly way. Right. So real quick, talking about students, let's put one little last pitch in. You have a scholarship, or the company has a scholarship at Purdue, right? Yes. Uh, that they support. But it's not for the type of student that you would normally think. Yes, agriculture, but it's at a different level than most scholarships are, right? Can you explain that one? Yes. Yeah, so the, the Halderman Scholarship at Purdue University is for any student in the College of Agriculture, um, but the specificity around it is it needs to be somebody who is transferring in. And so we've got a whole host of students that come in from Ivy Tech, or they might come in from Vincennes, or they come in from some other college at a, as a sophomore or junior. And many times there aren't scholarships available right. at that level. Most of your scholarships are for freshmen. And so I, when, I, when I thought about setting this up, I thought, you know, we want to provide something that can be beneficial to, to students at a, a little later in their degree program and enable them to come in from mm -hmm. these other forms of, of academic institutions. So that's, that's what the scholarship is. Uh, and you can get a lot more details from Purdue. They administrate right. all yeah. of that, but um, that, that's really the direction it's to go. And I think that's really cool because there's a lot of students who feel like, okay, to get those scholarships, I have to start out at the big land grant or wherever that is that they're going to go. But there is value in an Ivy Tech, a Vincennes, a Black Hawk, places like that, um, you know, the Sinclair in Ohio, places like that, that you can transfer in and still have some financial support. And so really appreciate you doing that for students. I tell you, from a teacher standpoint, from a, a parent of a, co you know, soon to be uh, a college student, a soon to be college student, I love seeing those opportunities to, for those kids and really appreciate it. All right. So after all this time, I'm going to get you with the hardest question I'm going to ask you out of the whole thing, which is what's something that you wish you had known when you were younger? I would I would suggest there would be a lot of people that would think uh, wouldn't believe this about me, mm -hmm. but I'm a natural introvert, and so as I was going through high school, I did some leadership things. I did not have an understanding of the value of communication and leadership skills, yeah. and those are some things that I think I would have liked to have known. Now I was fortunate that I got to be captain on the football team, or I got to be an active in FFA. Mm -hmm. And that was just more of happen so than it was me intentionally pursuing that. Right. So when I think back 35 years or more, uh, what would I have liked to have known was that the value of communication, and I will tell our younger staff here, if you communicate really well mm -hmm. with your clients, that will overcome technical mistakes you might make because every human makes mistakes right so we might make a little bit of a mistake in a grain marketing decision ah we sold the corn too cheap <laughs> but if we communicate well with those clients they will keep us in spite of some of those small technical mistakes yeah. and and so that value of communication and the value of leadership skills I think those are two things that I would encourage students because I can tell you as an introvert <laughs> going through high school it was easy to not sign up for those kind of activities Absolutely. speech class that you teach yep. uh, being active as as an officer in FFA it's easy to say ah that's not comfortable for me mm -hmm. but boy 35 years later, I look back and say, those are some really valuable experiences that, 
that I think will help uh, all students, whatever that leadership opportunity or growth opportunity might be. That's awesome. I know in my speech class, when we talk about it, I've got kids come in just terrified. And I tell them the first day that maybe I'm different and weird, but my goal is to make them an excellent public speaker. My goal is to make them less scared of public speaking, to make them a more efficient communicator. And if I can do that, I've done my job. And it helps them in their careers that they have learned what that's like to be able to communicate. Well, and you, and you never know how that manifests itself because you may not have to do seminars like I do. Right. You may not have public speaking engagements, but do you want to be able to stand up at your daughter's wedding mm-hmm. and speak? Yep. And and that's an emotional time period because I just did that this last summer, and and so having those communication skills, there's a lot of ways that factors into your life, uh, and it, outside of just your career. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, this has been Scott Caldwell spending weeks talking with Howard Halderman, gleaning a lot of wisdom from him. Hopefully, it's been beneficial to you, um, Howard. Thank you so much for taking time to tell your story and about you as an individual in the ag industry. And folks, take time this week to make sure that you share your story and agriculture story because they deserve to be heard. Have a great week.